think. In fact, I'm thinking about um, uh, maybe you're editing maybe this and put it. I think there's a program on NPR where you interview. I mean, they. I forget what it's called. Oh, there's uh, yeah, there's. But they, oh, StoryCorps. StoryCorps. Yeah. StoryCorps. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, some of this might be might yeah. make it useful for that. Definitely. I, you know, I'm yeah. going to try to have my own thing, so <laughs> make some money. Simone's got to go to college someday, so. <laughs> okay. Welcome to B-Side Conversations, the podcast that brings the other side of reality from the black and brown folks that live it every day. You see us, but do you know our stories? You hear our perspective, but where does it come from? You are us, but maybe you think you're the only one. I'm your host, Jonathan Hall, and I'm so glad you're listening. Sit back and open your mind's eye to a new way of experiencing the world on the B-Side. Welcome to episode two, part two, with my father, Clarence Hall. Uh, if you haven't listened to the conversation that I had with my mother in part or episode two, part one. Go back and listen to that. Uh, so we pick up the story of my father's life right after my conversation with my mother. Um, and my dad's life is uh, similar in many ways to my mom's, but also different in very distinct ways. Uh, so I'm really excited for you all to hear his story. Uh, so we're going to cover his upbringing growing up in um, Dade City, Florida, and then talk about his experiences uh, at Talladega College, uh, and then we'll end with his thoughts on why um, there seems to be such uh, an issue of race and violence that still persists in the country today. So, enjoy! So now, (coughs) Papa... Stepping up to the interview chair, um, and so we'll start uh, at the same place that we started with um, my mom, and uh, and so you know, just tell us your name and where you're from, and what what it was like growing up where you were. Well, I'm Clarence Hall. I was born and raised in Dade City, Florida, Pasco County. And um, it's in central Florida, uh, about 40 miles north of Tampa, Florida, on the west coast. What what year? What's your birthday? Birth date? March 30th, 1942. All right. All right. And I, uh, from a family of um, mother, uh, father, and uh, two sisters. Um, however, my father... Uh, passed away when I was six years old and um, he died because a white co-worker um, wanted to play um, play with him with his car. My, 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 my father was riding to work on a bicycle and um, this co-worker of his was going to spoof him with his car and uh, dot in and dot out, and he got too close and actually uh, killed my father on the spot. Wow. So that was um, very traumatic um, at that time. Um, and it, 
bothered me for a long time after that because I grew up in a in a place where there was segregation was very very um, evident. Um, the black people lived in a certain part of town, and um, we were not allowed to uh, go into restaurants. We were not allowed to uh, drink from. In fact, they had white only uh, fountains and colored fountains, and those those are quite um, common in in uh, in Dade City. I went to a segregated. Uh, school, uh, both elementary, um, middle, and high school, um, but had fantastic teachers um, at my school who really cared about us, the, uh, uh, the black children, and um, made us work hard and um, taught us etiquette and um, very, very, very things that, that were life life um, life skills uh -huh. as we were growing up um, I mentioned the the, the black uh, I mean the white and colored fountains the other the other thing that made it quite clear that we we were different um, is that the, the, the movie theater in town uh, we were, we were we had to sit in the in the upper deck we couldn't sit down on the first floor. Uh -huh. The white that was reserved for white people. Um, the other thing is that um, at at my high school, and this became very clear to me during high school, is that we had a basketball team, um, football, and and baseball. Um, but there was a, there was quite a difference between where the white kids played there basketball and where the, where the black uh, students played theirs. We had, we played out, basically outside. And, uh, you know, basketball season is wintertime. Right. And it was basically outside. The only, they had a, um, a uh, concrete blocks around, around the uh, court and maybe there were no seats. Maybe uh, just a little space for people who ca who came to the game to to stand and watch and watch the games. Um, but the white the white kids played their basketball games in a in a in an armory, uh -huh. a government armory where they they were they were you know all of the niceties of being in playing basketball in, in a very comfortable surrounding environment. Yeah. Um, and so that that, that was that, I, I, that was my first realization, uh, beside the um, white and colored um, signs, that that there was a difference in how uh -huh. we were treated. Our schools were were in our part of town. However, we did not get um, books. Our books that we that we had in our town. In our schools, were handed down from from the white schools. Right. So, so you had you had, you had hand me down school materials. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. However, I you know I um, I I give all credit to uh, to the black teachers, which uh, who um, really were excellent teachers. Um, I was fortunate to graduate from my class as valedictorian. Um, 
And that, that enabled me to get into school into Talladega because I had a very, a very good uh, average, uh, grade, grade point average. Um, yeah, so, so I, I want to talk more about those circumstances, um, but just talking about, you know, my mom talked about um, the shotgun house. So, like, what were, what were your mm -hmm. living conditions like growing up? And, yeah. Well, we lived we lived in um, in, in a black area. However, uh, my dad was was a, a a carpenter. Ah, okay. And uh, he actually built our house uh, from a combination of new new material and um, another a house that was in the area that was being torn down. Oh wow! Okay, so he, he was got, he he got stuff from that house that would be uh, used in building our our own house. So yeah. yeah. Um, so so do you do you know whether or not the house that was being torn down mm -hmm. was 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 your father like sneaking in? Because I'm thinking, no. okay, no, no, because I, I, I well the reason why I asked is sneaking is that. You know, was it a white house in a white neighborhood, right? No. And that was the only place. So it was no, okay. It was in our neighborhood. It was in your neighborhood, right? And um, and, and he was he was allowed to to take uh -huh. because the, the house was going to be demolished, right? And so he was allowed to take materials and, and use it to build our house. Oh, yeah. And it was it's and that house is still standing. In fact, my sister is living in that house now, <laughs> and it's it's a wonderful thing to go back home and to be in a in the house where you were raised. Right. And, uh, it's, it's fantastic. And that your father built, you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's, exactly. that's, in, that, that's incredible. That's incredible. Okay. Yeah. So, so what did, what did it look like? So it was, it, was it a shotgun house or it wasn't a shotgun house? It was, uh, no, yeah. No, it was not a shotgun house. It was, uh, we had, uh, How many three rooms? bedrooms, three bedrooms. Oh, wow. Three bedrooms. Um, the front bedroom is where my mom lived and my, uh, my two sisters lived in the second bedroom, and I lived in the, in the back bedroom. Um, and it had a dining room, uh, living room, kitchen, and uh, sort of an area where where we had a piano. My my mom had a, uh, insisted that that my sisters and I take piano lessons. And so this began my my introduction to music. Okay. I've been associated with music all my life. Yeah, uh, I played the um, tuba in uh, my high school band, and um, I played a trombone in a, um, a jazz band that, that the band leaders started when when I was uh, in um, in high school. And also um, sang sang in the choir, uh -huh. yeah. Which and you still do today. I still, still do sing. today. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Music is very very important part of my life. Yeah. yeah. So, quite different circumstances, you know, describing how mm -hmm. mom grew up in terms of what what you all had. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so so it sounds like relatively comfortable living conditions. You weren't worried about flooding or. No. Were there other concerns? Were there like pest concerns or? Oh yes. 
rats and roaches were our, were our, <laughs> were our um, uh, I guess living uh, living in companions. Uh huh. Um, and one of the one of the, the terrible things about um, growing up in that house that it was infested with roaches and um, the flying kind. You could you could you could find yourself I mean waking up with with um, a roach on your face, on your head, or on your body, and uh, and uh, the terrible thing—they could fly and and attack you. <laughs> <laughs> so that was—I mean—that was the only um, only bad thing about the house that we were living uh-huh. lived in. Um, of course, my my dad died when I was six, and so my mom raised three kids by she never did remarry. Mm-hmm. And um, she had she had an elementary education, um, um, so she she was not she was not able to earn a lot of money. Uh, she she started out um, being a house cleaner for a white white family mm-hmm. that lived in uh, Dade City, and um, later she went back to uh, school and got her G- GED. Uh-huh. At fifty, <laughs> and um, then from there got her uh, um, practical nursing license, and uh, she worked. She worked in the local hospital as a as a practical nurse, and uh, that was uh, very proud of my mom because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, raising raising three kids and then going back to school and furthering her career later on in her life—it's a big big deal. So in relation to, so Dade, Dade City, so what were, what were some of the things, the industries or the jobs that were available in Dade City mm. to people and where did, where did black folks sort of fit in <clears throat> okay. to that? Uh, Dade City was, was known as the uh, citrus capital of the world. Uh-huh. We had the largest um, uh, fruit packing plant in the world at that time. Uh, so there were a lot of jobs in the um, in, in the food industry, uh, mainly mainly picking fruit, uh-huh. which was uh, which was very hard work. Yeah, um, you had these trees that were 20, 25 feet high, and a ladder that was thirty feet high, and you had to uh, place the ladder around the tree. You had this bag on your shoulder that would hung from your shoulder down to maybe halfway your lower leg and you would pick fruit and put it in the in the bag and then you had to go come down the ladder um, empty that bag into a box that 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 uh, mechanic that uh, truck would come by and pick up so it was very hard work and fortunately i didn't i didn't have to do i only did that uh, for a sh- once in my life in a short summer uh-huh um, uh, generally people, um, I, I think that was, the, that was the basic industry in, uh-huh. in, in, in the town at the time. So, so a lot of day city black folks were fruit pickers yeah. or do, were they working, did, did, was there any, do you know if there was any processing of like. Yes, oranges and stuff. Yeah, so. they were processing, and, and some of them worked in the in, in the processing plant uh-huh, uh-huh. as well. 
Right. But mm-hmm. sort of, uh, and and now, you know, those jobs are, are gone. Are gone. And then in other parts of the world, it's not black folks who primarily have those jobs. It's migrant workers or, right. you know, folks from Jamaica. From, in fact, even before, before I left uh, high school, um, blacks were... were reluctant to continue that hard work uh-huh. and the uh, owners of the groves had to bring in people from the Caribbean oh really okay to to do the to do the hard work uh, out, in, out in the um, orange groves so so we're black folks so when you left for high school or no when you left high school to college is that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so that was around 1959 late 50s early 60s 60s, 60s. yeah so by then black folks are like yeah, not interested in this. Yeah, later, later for, for this. this. <laughs> and so the yeah. people have to find a new labor force, and right. so they they're they're going to the Caribbean, right? And they're not they're so they're 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 bringing in folks from Jamaica, the Dominican Republic, and Haiti, and those uh, areas. Mainly, mainly from Jamaica. Mainly from Jamaica. English speaking, the, 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 the Haitians. Uh, the Haitians came into Miami area. Aha. Uh-huh, okay. Where there were more more of them there, but in, uh, mainly in Jamaica. Okay. So there's mm-hmm. a interesting. I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't mm, know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so, in in relation to where you lived, where you grew up, mm-hmm. um, where where was that in relation to the economic center of the town, and then the white folks of the town? Because mm-hmm. mom described, you know, black folks being primarily on that outer rung of Columbus, mm-hmm. Georgia. Mm-hmm. And was it the same situation? With you, or were sort of the segregated communities more interspersed? Or? No, it was it was it was very very segregated. Uh-huh. Um, white folks lived um, near the town center, okay. north north and west of the town center. Okay, and blacks lived south and east of the of the town center. Okay, okay, yeah, all right. So. Um, yeah, yeah, that's how it was. That, that's how it was. It was separate. But again, like your everyday life, how how many? I mean, did you did you encounter before going off to college? Did you, mm-hmm. did you encounter many white people in your everyday life? Or no? Yeah, I think it was similar to what um, my, my wife uh, Esther uh, uh-huh. described that you you didn't really have any interaction. Uh-huh. Um, you went to the, to, if you go to a store to buy something, it was just business. You didn't have a conversation about anything. Uh-huh. Um, you didn't, um, you didn't look at white women, uh-huh. um, because you could be ach- uh, accused of being uppity or uh, trying to have an interest other than Casual interest in, uh, in, in them, so you, you you just avoid situations like that. Okay, and so um, did you? Did you ever have? A, so how how did you um, learn this? How did you learn this very important social behavior? Mm-hmm. Right, because if you don't follow these rules, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So did you have an explicit talk with any relatives, or did you pick it up kind of from context, or or what? How did you know to? Mm. Be the good, good black boy around white folks. You 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 picked it up. Mm-hmm. I never had that conversation. Of course, my dad died when I was six. So, right. uh, and 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 my role models were my my uncles. Uh-huh. I had um, I had two 
uncles living in the town and uh, a number of uncles living in New York and uh, New Jersey. And during the summer, I would go and visit, visit them. Um, but uh, this is just something I, that I picked up. Uh-huh. Uh, word of mouth, you know, you know, just you, um, from, from my peers, uh-huh. observing them, how they, how they um, carried themselves. So what about what about your your mother and like your aunts and uncles? Did you observe them? Did they act differently around white folks? Was that apparent to you? Or, yes, uh-huh. yes. You always, ma'am and sir. Uh huh. Um, the way you talk to them, you would um, e- emote um, respect. Uh huh. However, that 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 courtesy was not um, reciprocated. Uh-huh. And people could call, could call. I mean, nobody ever called my mom. The white people would say Mrs. Hall, that they would call, call her by her first name. Interesting. Um, but you expected to say Mr. This and Mrs. That. But they would always, what, what, what would they call They would say, what would they say to her? Willie? Uh, Willie May. Willie May. Willie May. Willie May. Yeah. Uh, Willie May, uh, how you doing? Willie May this, Willie May that. Wow. So very, I mean, just a very stark difference. I mean, you're being told to always say Mr. and Ma'am mm-hmm. to all adults. And then you have an exchange with two adults, your mother and an adult white person. Your mother saying Mr. and Mrs. And they're mm-hmm. saying... Willie May. Willie May. Yeah. Yes. And so that's yes. a that's a powerful lesson to, yeah. to someone who's deserving it and everything. Yeah. Right. Right. So, okay, so, so you're growing up in this environment and um, it's very apparent that there are different rules for black folks and white folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, when did things begin to change for you in terms of uh, being more aware of what was happening across the country with the, the beginnings of the civil rights movement and how did you sort of fit into that? <clears throat> when, when was sort of the first time that you began to take a more proactive stance, I guess? And, yeah. yeah. I, I think it was, uh, as uh, Esther mentioned earlier, at Talladega. Okay. So when you went um, away to college. When we went away to college. Um, the same incident that she described of uh, one of our uh, students being beaten at, in, in Anniston, Alabama, actually. Anniston, Alabama. Anniston was, was where he was uh, beaten. Um, and that that led to our the students at Talladega um, organizing. Um, we were we were um, assisted by SNCC, the Student um, Nonviolent. Nonviolent Coordinating Council. Yeah. Um, knowing that we wanted to demonstrate in downtown, they came in and trained us in. Uh, nonviolent techniques, uh-huh. um, and we would—I mean, we would be put in a situation where they would come up to us and yell at us, yell in our faces, and call us all kinds of names. You're talking about white folks? They, no, no, no. The the SNCC people. Oh, okay. Would train us. I see. This is part of the training. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. How how to how to how to res- not to resist, but how to um, react. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not to react. Right. So that so that we would remain nonviolent. So sort of like those scenes in movies of like the drill sergeant 
yes. all in the, yes. the, the new recruits' face, yelling at them, calling them terrible things, and right. you just have to... Fascinating. Yes. What was that? I mean, like, what did you know that that was going to happen before? Oh, the, yeah. The snake yeah. people say, now we're going to yell at you like, yeah. like a yeah. racist white person right. would. Right. Okay. Right. And so that, I mean, that, I mean, those students who wanted to particip actually participate in the, in the demonstration went through that training. I, 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 I can't remember exactly the length of time. It was at least a week, week of um, going through that, all of the students going through that process. And um, and then we um, we went went to town. It and Esther described the one time that we went down and, and there was a downpour, of rain and everything. But we continued the demonstration. I don't remember how long it was, but it was over at least a couple of weeks or more. Um, and I think at one point we did our, um, we were attacked by. Um, fire hoses, uh -huh. and but again, um, we did not we did not retaliate or respond. I don't I don't think the demonstrations led to actual desegregation at that time. Uh -huh. um, we did not get the support of, of of the black community in Talladega. Interesting, and that was because I think it was because <coughs> excuse me, many of them were working, had jobs with whites, either in stores as janitors and other things or in homes. And so they felt their economic um, resources would be jeopardized right. if they would join us in the demonstration. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, sort of similar to folks who are <coughs> economically and socially vulnerable, right? Because you all are there in college for... A couple of years and then you move on right. but the black folks living in the town have to exactly did you hear of anybody in the community losing their job or being retaliated against or no no, no okay I didn't, didn't hear that. so like so going back home right so mm -hmm. here you are having this experience in college you're 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 tra you've been trained by SNCC right you know it's pretty pretty incredible um, and then going back home what was that like? Was that was that different? Were there conflicts? Mm -hmm. Was was were there any conversations? Sorry, I'll I shouldn't ask multiple questions in one. But so going back <laughs> home, what was it like? There we go. <laughs> okay, um, it was really it was the, 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 the two different situations were self-contained. There was no. Uh, Bleed, bleed over from the my experience at Talladega to home. Okay, you can't get back home, and things were continued as 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 usual. I, I didn't feel a sense of of uh, trying to uh, make any differences at in, in in Dade City, based on my experience at Talladega. Um, huh. But but I, I did I, I I did begin to question. Why things were the way they were in Dade City? Uh, why did we have um, hand-me-down um, books and materials? Why didn't Why didn't we have an enclosed area for for our basketball games? And it it boiled down to uh, the principal of the school was the top um, Black American 
in the town. Uh-huh. And he he was charged with keeping things under control. Interesting. Um, he did not he did not make any any protests about our not having uh, facilities or anything like that. And so I, I, I guess I began to question one of the things that happened that in my experience at Talladega was being questioned. But why were things the way they were in Dade City? Uh-huh. Why didn't we have have progress? Um, and and um, just just I guess observing and talking to other people, it became clear that that um, unless the principal made requests for things to change, nothing happened. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So <clears throat> he was he he was charged with making sure to to make sure no make sure that the black folks stayed in their place. And if anything was gonna change, interesting. Mm-hmm. And so so you, you did you didn't bring your picket sign home <laughs> But you began to see your environment with new lenses. Yes, you exactly. began to see things, and so you you mentioned that you you had hand me downs, but it wasn't until you had gone away to college mm-hmm. and seen those things that you began to question why your books were mm-hmm. the way that they were. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then so so you go to school, go to college, you get your degree, and then we're gonna again just fast forward to now, right? So you had you 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 had these experiences, your eyes were beginning to be opened and mm-hmm. and then obviously a lot of things happened between, you know, the time you graduated to mm-hmm. to these present times now and just like with mom, I think that's such a rich collection of stories that we should mm-hmm. have a different episode for that, mm-hmm. but in 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 going from that moment of, you know, thinking about how you grew up and then how you began to be awakened to the conditions that you grew up in and how racialized those conditions were. The experience of Arthur Bacon being beaten and the protesters and having hoses turned on you and that sort of stuff. How do you put what we're observing so prevalently, prevalently in the news today into context? Having lived mm. these things, what do you think about the Eric Gardners and the Michael Browns and the and the um, you know the the countless number of, of individuals. I think I think I think that um, it, it saddens me because I, you know I think I think we were on a on a on a road to progress racially within this country that. Um, Sure, we hadn't reached the goal of being considered equal, but there seemed to be a, a bigger division now between white and black. And I, I, I think I, I do agree with with uh, with Esther that um, I, I, I would put it differently. I, I wouldn't say I blame uh, President Obama. <laughs> well, yeah, that's but, that's but, that's but, mom's but, own that's, that's mom's own. <laughs> Tongue-in-cheek kind of way of, <laughs> right. of saying things, right? Right, but I do, I do think this 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 chasm that's uh, been created between black and white in this country uh, is a reaction to uh, President Obama being elected twice 
in, in, as, as president of the United States. When you, I mean, when you have uh, a man of his in his position being disrespected by people in the Senate, who in a in a in a, in a, in a speech that he was giving on, at, in, in, at um, Congress, saying you are lying, right? Um, and when the um, GOP on the on the day he was elected uh, agreed that they were not going to give him any any support to do anything, and in fact they were committed to having him be a one-term president and do everything in, in their power to block his his uh, progress and block his attempts to improve this this country. Um, and there are people in this in this country who um, agree with that point of view, and um, I don't think I don't think that there there are more blacks being shot by police. I think it's just that more 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 of it is coming out. This has been going on in this country for years. Right. That white policemen are killing black men. Uh, primarily, uh, but because of the media um, and because of uh, Facebook and Twitter and all these other things, information passed very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so people are becoming more aware that these things are happening, but they've been happening all along. Um, and, and it's unfortunate that uh, that we seem to be going further apart and yeah. coming together as a, as a country. I remember, I, I remember, I don't remember a single event of the talk, like a single time that we had a talk, but I remember convert, like pieces of other conversations that you, you and I have had. Um, and really, when I, got my, when I got my license, I remember around that time, like having a conversation or just that you need to, you need to be careful. If you get pulled over, Make sure, and I mean, it was it was you talking to me as my father. But I, I mean, my mom also, mm -hmm. mom also told me those things, right. and, and having that explicit conversation. Right. Um, and so, what 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 has it been like? What has it been like for you having as a black man, having a black son out there in the world? And these things have been going on. Like, how how has that impacted mm. you? And I actually, mom, I, I want to ask you that same question too. Um, but mm -hmm. well, it, I I I have I have been uh, more concerned about you um, of late. Mm -hmm. In fact, I sent you. I think I sent you a document that been circulated in my fraternity. Mm -hmm. Uh, about what to do if you are pulled over by a policeman, um, and um, so I am. I, I, I do have concern about your safety, but knowing um, what a what a what a, a an aware person you are, and how um, how intelligent you are, and how you you have gotten through. Uh, your life at this stage, without having having to been confronted with this kind of thing, um, and it's not 
and you've been able to get through it without my having to constantly bombard you. It's your own intelligence and your own reality, uh, um, feeling of reality mm -hmm. that has that has brought you through to this point in your life. And I think um, concerned, but I'm not worried. Uh -huh. I'm not worried about you. Well, well, thanks, thanks for that, Dad. I mean, I think a lot of that awareness has come from you and Mom and and. Mm -hmm you know, those earlier years. So if I was 15, 16, 17, 21, would oh, you be more concerned? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I, I think about, um, well, well, my nephews are all, uh, and, and nieces are grown now, but their children, um, um, it, it is a concern. Yeah. It is a concern. Yeah. Okay. Um, to think of other I mean there's so many other questions there's so many mm. other things I want to talk about um, mm. about that but I guess maybe that that's a good place to end in sort of bringing us to the present and I think maybe next time we record uh, we'll talk more about what happened what what happened in your life in between finishing college and today mm. and sort mm. of what what those decades were like mm -hmm. And uh, you and mom have a really unique story living in, in Africa, in Zambia, for, for a long period of time, and you spending your career there. So we'll, right. we'll kind of pick up and there. My Peace Corps experience. Right. John F. Kennedy's speech and all of that. All of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that. yeah, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really rich, really rich um, portion of life. Well, thanks. Thanks, yeah. Pop. Thank you for setting this up and asking those questions. thank you uh, all of you who listened to this uh, podcast this episode with my parents Clarence and Esther Hall um, please stay tuned for the next installment of B-Side Conversations with my parents we'll pick up uh, the story of their lives uh, leaving off when um, they left college and um, they have a really interesting story as I talked about at the end of this episode uh, living in Zambia for seven years, my dad spending his career there. Lots of really interesting, really rich stories um, that uh, I think are important to to share and uh, are going to be really interesting. Uh, so, those are my parents. Uh, I feel kind of strange, uh, but also happy to share that with you, to share those stories with you. Um, you know, my folks are... Uh, you know, those stories are very personal, uh, I guess, but I think that it is good to hear their perspective and share their perspective. You don't hear the perspectives of uh, people, black people, uh, who growing up in, during those times, during those very um, uh, trying times in this country. And so uh, if you have any stories of uh, people who are living during those times, then please email the show so uh, we can get those stories on tape and start a larger conversation. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for another B-Side Conversation. Got a question, comment, or an idea for a show? Send us an email at bsideconvo at gmail.com. That's bsideconvo at gmail.com. 
In the meantime, make sure you're taking the time to be curious about and listen to the people you encounter in your everyday life. Remember, the B-side is as close as that unfamiliar person standing next to you.